0: Good morning, and Happy New Year to all of you. Please be seated. Welcome to Church Our Saviour. You know, this is, a, this is a, I guess you could say, the first, well, it's actually the second service, second service of the year. And as a church, we come together to give our attention to the Lord. So good to see all of you. And of course, we want to thank the choir, which is so lovely to join us this morning. They do have a special item to bring us. You know, as we turn into this new year and say goodbye to 2022, my heart is filled with gratitude for all that God has done in this church, to church our Savior, and through our family here. And uh, it is our custom, usually in the service after Christmas, to dedicate that to be a thanksgiving service, right? Usually, that's when we look back at the year past because we do not want to be like the nine lepers that forgot to thank Jesus, right? And we want to be those who remember the goodness of God and remember how 2022 started. It started with a, an amazing prayer meeting. So, you know, we're going to have a prayer meeting, by the way. But, you know, we started with a prayer meeting and the, the year has just gone by so quickly, Amen. I mean, it's like, wow, where did the time go? And here we are at the end and really beginning of a whole new year. So it is our custom to, to dedicate this service to Thanksgiving, to remembering. And then the next service, which is next week, will be where we'll be talking about the direction, Coos 2.0, right? Where we are going in this whole new season. Now back in 2017, I don't know how many of you remember this thing, huh? Do you remember? Yeah, you all have been watching. What's that thing sticking out there, right? And you remember, oh, I remember. And you know, we were talking about how we will carve some of the uh, milestones. And I actually have got it down 2017, some here. So I actually put it 2015. It started in 2015 because that was when we really broke the ground, you know, rebuilding this church, not just physically, but spiritually and rebuilding our community. And lo and behold, suddenly we are down here already. Two zero two two. Somewhere in the middle, here got COVID, right? So you know, this has been quite a journey for all of us, and this stick, I guess, it marks for us, for me, seven years. And I've been in this church now for twelve years. This stick is seven years of that, more than half of that time. And during these five years, we have journeyed through quite a number of challenges. We have journeyed through economic turmoil, through years of you know difficulty uh, in our jobs and you know our economy. Years of pandemic, not quite a few years of that. And also quite a number of changes in our own life. Some of us were not married uh, before the COVID. But now you're married and some of you even have kids already. Some of your kids were like this before COVID. But don't know what happened, or what, you know, after COVID, they're all like so tall. Or maybe I just grew shorter over that period of time. And some of our brothers and sisters, of course, you know, who were with us uh, before, are now on the other side of eternity in a welcome party, waiting for the time that we will all be together again. So we are now emerging out of that season into a brand new season that is, of course, no less challenging than the past, but also full of promise and hope for the future. In this past year, we have transitioned out of our pandemic restrictions. We are finally really allowed to fully now have uh, services the way you are. Just look around you. You know, we don't have to have all kinds of special restrictions. You can wear masks if you want to, but you don't have to if you don't want to. We don't have to say only those are vaccinated can come for this service. You know, we are finally able to come together uh, more or less where we were before, but not quite the same as where we we were before because, you know, we are all older and the world has moved on. Just this last week, we've actually seen how God has brought us as a church to a very good place. We are well placed strategically in our community. Our church is strong. Our fellowship is strong. We have a good team of younger pastors who are well positioned in the wings and uh, the wind is in our sails. So I'm very grateful to God for all the wonderful things. This Christmas, we saw how the church came together for our weekend. It was a tremendous celebration. It was quite special because you saw the children, you saw the youth, you saw the young adults, you saw the adults, all the way to, I guess what we can call the silver generation, right? The whole church was there together in worship, in service, and that was just so heartwarming to see. We had every generation involved in all the different parts of the service, both on stage and off stage, different roles, the tech team, the ushers who are always there, the dancers and those people who train them, the choirs and the trainer, and of course the choir that I have asked them to sing one more song. So last week, you know, while many of us were resting from Christmas and thinking of Boxing Day, they were here practicing on Wednesday and Thursday night just so that afterwards they can bring you a special song. We'll hear about that later. And of course, People like Babes and Belinda, who wrote those those amazing Christmas pieces. And of course, many other people, the chaperon, the children, all those children. I want to let you know, all of them were returned to their parents safely. Afterwards, none were lost, you know. Parents who were willing to allow and bring their children up so that they can be part of the service and the life of the church from a young age, And parents, who of course for the first time all sit in front. Normally, parents sit all the way at the back there, you know, because they need to bring their kids out. But Christmas, they were all sitting front row seats with their cameras because they want to see their children. Not forgetting also. The other programs that were running in church, at the same time that we were having our Christmas service, you know, there was the Chinese service going on, the Filipino service. Uh, we also had the Philadelphia International Service. Some of you may not know this, but we, we do have a small sort of Sri Lankan as well, International Service going on. And our Thursday Evergreen Service Now, some of you didn't realize it, but while we were here having our Christmas service, the children were having, all I want to have for Christmas, they're having their own special children's service. And last weekend, 39 children actually accepted Christ. You know, out of 62 who came. This is a culmination of the effort of many different parts of the church, big and small. Whether it is ourselves, our community outreach here, who are always out in the neighbourhood, you know, all the way. And they, the reach of our community services is about 10,000 households that spans from Dawson all the way to the west in uh, Gimmo in the west, and to Henderson in the south. 10,000 households, people, our staff and our church members who are there knocking on doors, serving them, feeding them sharing the gospel with them also we want to thank all these people who make the church what it is today we have a number of people last week who came from our neighbours our new neighbourhood in Dawson who dropped by in church and if you are here this morning from Dawson, we want to welcome you this is a place where we want to call our home it's a very down to earth church, amen I got no bodyguard one I noticed ah (laughs) <laughs> right. We are a very down-to-earth church. We are ordinary people, but very wonderful and warm, loving people. We have people who run Alpha throughout the year, several courses, people who serve and visit those who are in need. And with the many many ministries we have in church stepping out, who is now they are focusing on young adults. Work with Constance and the team. We have Tangling Fellowship that happens every Friday night, faithfully ministering and serving different people. And I heard last Friday you had a very exciting speaker bringing a very encouraging message as well. And that's they are our church members who are doing all these things. We also have uh, other groups as well as uh, a men at coos, men at coos group. How many men at coos people are here? we are constantly talking about where to find durian, you know. Uh, But no, actually they are encouraging one another in serving and in growth, right? How they can be better men for God. And of course, not leaving out the women, we have koinonia, we have caracus, a special group of people under Richard who takes care of those who need special care, right? Whether they are being transported from one place to another, whether they have special needs. Not forgetting that we have a special needs service, Sunshine Ministry, and all those who serve there, patiently with people who otherwise may not be received anywhere else. So we, we really thank God for these people and the many other SIGs that are not mentioned, including like our KOWK, K-O, this is Khao, huh? not Mu cow, but there's Kaki's on wheels where they go cycling, right? From uh, from here to wherever they are, cycling. We have people who are exercising. Of course, you have Zumba and whatnot. This church is a very exciting church, amen? It's a very busy church, but very exciting church. That's why 2022 just went by so quickly, but I believe that the Lord has more. The the Lord is going to do even more through our midst. So I'm very grateful. I want to thank all of you because it is every one of you, your contribution, big or small, is never too small. Every one of you make a difference. Amen? Would you turn to your neighbour and say, you make a difference, right? Because you really do make a difference. You make a big difference for all of us. Your presence It's here. And for those of you who are watching, we want to encourage you to come back, all right? If you can come back, if you're overseas, then it's okay. But if you are in Singapore, come back because your presence means a lot. Seeing each other face to face means a lot. It strengthens us as a family and that's why Chinese New Year, you have your reunion dinner, right? You cannot just reunion over Zoom. We want to be together. But there is a reason and a purpose. Why God has brought us here so far? Not so that we can come here forever. We are on a journey. This stick is a stick for our journey, right? It's a journey that all of us are going on together at our different speeds, but hopefully we'll get to where God wants us to be. We have come a good way, a long way, but we still have road in front of us. And the reason we have been able to come this far is because this is a church where there are many hands on the plow. It will not happen if only you have one or two very strong hands. It is a church where everyone's hands is on the plow, and this reminds me of the journey that the children of Israel made out of Egypt, and they were trying to get to the promised land, but you know they had to go through the desert and the wilderness. But on their way there, they ran into some trouble. There was a group of people called the Amalekites. Everyone say Amalekites. Okay, the Amalekites, they were their enemies and they were attacking them. So there was this particular confrontation, right? There was going to be a battle. And Joshua was out in a field battling these Amalekites. Moses had climbed up to a, a, on a hillside where he could see this and he would pray. He would lift up his staff, he would pray. And whenever he lifted up his hands and we prayed, they would prevail. But when his hands got tired and his hands came down, they would start losing, right? So what happened? So, Aaron and her had gone up. So, every time his hand would get a bit tired, huh? someone would help prop up a little bit, right? And the other hand get tired, and then maybe Ben, uh, ben uh, her, would help hold it up a little bit. And there they were, together, different hands. All of you, all your hands. These are the hands that hold up this church. It is not because we have any superman here, right? No superman here, uh, wearing their underwear on the outside, is there on the inside? Right? We are all just ordinary people doing our little bit to hold up and that is very important because every time we keep this up, we are able to be the witnesses. We will prevail in the work that God has given to us in this church, in our own lives, but also to the blessing of our community. Right? So very important. Thank you so much, every one of you, for everything that you have done and I want to encourage you. Let us not flag in this, let us not uh, wane in this, but let us get stronger. In 2022, we will do more. And it can be as simple as just coming to church, right? As simple as that. Just coming to church, you are an encouragement to someone else. Turn to your other neighbour and say, you are an encouragement to me. So today, we want to look into the Bible because you know, as we move into New Year, we want to understand what is the secret of a successful church. Because sometimes you think that you, know, you have a superstar celebrity pastor or maybe you have a fantastic superstar worship team. What is the secret that God wants us to learn as we go forward? And we want to look at a passage in the Bible from Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus had just received news um, about the beheading of I guess you could say his cousin, uh, John the Baptist. He was beheaded and because of that he was retreating to what the Bible calls a deserted place. Now, The historian Josephus tells us that the reason why John was beheaded was because he was becoming too influential. He was very popular. He was becoming very influential. There was a great following of John. And the king, Herod, was insecure. He was concerned. He was worried that John might incite a rebellion. And because of that, he wanted John dead. So, you know, that's how he actually ended up killing John. But Jesus would be in the same exact category growing popularity, very influential, many people following him. You know, potentially, another person that the king would want to kill since he had killed John after all, right? So, maybe that was the reason why Jesus retreated or perhaps it was because Jesus had been doing ministry for a very long time and they were tired, you know, and they felt, he felt that maybe this is good time for me to retreat, perhaps to mourn the loss of his uh, his friend and cousin and... Perhaps this was a time that his disciples were also quite tired. So they were trying to get away from where all the people were, where they were doing all this ministry. And sometimes you just cannot get away. I don't know if you have this problem. Sometimes I got this problem. You know, I'm travelling, you know, uh, thinking of going on holiday on a plane. Then someone, pastor, someone on the plane. You guys are everywhere, you know. Cannot get away. I was at a wedding uh, uh, dinner just a few days ago, you know, and it's some old school people. I thought no, I wouldn't know anyone. On the same table, there was this mother with a child who was looking at me. Throughout the whole first part, I was wondering, you know, something on my face, maybe rice or I don't know, you know, this kind of thing. And then she was holding up the phone for, for the son. Turns out, he was asking the son, is that Pastor Daniel from Kuz? Right? I, I guess Jesus, like, he just can't get away from the work because the work is chasing him. So, he wanted to get away to a deserted place. At last, the plan didn't quite work out. We read from Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard it, there's this news of the death of John. He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. He wanted to be alone with his disciples. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late, send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. So Jesus retreated. Usually Jesus tend to retreat to the mountains. I don't know if you noticed this. You read, He usually retreats to a quiet place by Himself. Usually I'm in the mountains to pray. So He was up away, but news had gotten out. Someone leaked out you know, where Jesus was and all these people were coming because they were desperate. These were people who had exhausted all means to solve their own problems, has exhausted their resources, exhausted their ideas. So they didn't know what to do and Jesus was their only hope. So of course they were desperate and they all came. The sick and infirm, they came to him, the demon possessed. Even the lame were carried to him. Others were seeking answers and help. And they too came seeking Jesus. All the villages, all the cities, they all converged to that deserted place where Jesus was trying to get away. And Jesus came out, probably early in the morning, and He sees all these people already came out, outside. So many people. A bit like a woman's toilet after the service, you know. So many people, including the toilet upstairs. The disciples came, right? I mean, the, all these people came, and you know, our Lord, he, He's always compassionate. He, he doesn't say... Why you come come disturb me? He doesn't. He always says, you know, look at all these people. They are like sheep without shepherd, right? And so he begins to minister to them. He heals them. He, he touches their heart. He brings restoration. And there are those who are looking for answers. The Bible tells us in one of the other Gospels that he began to teach them as well. And you know, once Jesus starts teaching, uh, it, it takes some time, right? It takes quite a long time. If he sits down, it's going to take even longer. So there was a time that, and lo and behold, ministry had started. Minutes turned into hours. And before they realized it, evening was upon them and dinner was approaching. In fact, they had been so busy that they did not even eat lunch, right? So, so here was a situation where, you know, the day was drawing to a close. And now in Israel, for those of you who recently was, uh, were there with us, you notice that uh, when the sun, set, the sun sets very fast and it sets actually quite early as well, right? Now, back in those days, there was no electricity, So at night, it's going to be dark. It gets dark really quickly. So what are you going to do with all these people? They were there the whole day. You know, I I don't know why Jesus didn't just snap his finger and one shot heal everybody. But evidently, they were there for the whole day. And the people were tired. They had come from a long distance. And if they were to go back, that would be a long distance to go back to their villages, to their house, to their cities. So the disciples, who were probably very tired themselves, Right? came up with, a, well, a very sensible, a very reasonable, pragmatic solution. Send the people home. Jesus, ah, I, think, I think they are very tired. Lah. And Lord, I think you're also quite tired. Lah. But what they didn't say is, actually, we are also quite tired. Lah. <laughs> At least send them back. Then we can all, all can rest. We are not eaten yet. But all this they didn't say, right? Because, you know, the Lord, right, you don't seem like the one guy who is not into, right? So, so they all... Came and Jesus, I think we need to send the people back because you see, Lord, it's getting late, it's getting cold. Some of these people they have got quite a distance to go back. So, Lord, would you just send them back so that we can go and have our hummus, you know, or something that they're going to eat? Okay, now this seems like a very reasonable suggestion. I can, as I read this, I can see myself saying something like this, right? Quite sensible, nothing bad about it. Any of us would probably be thinking like that. I mean, what? Jesus could do ministry non-stop literally non-stop So of course, I think they were quite tired. But the next verse is where Jesus turns this whole situation on his head. In verse 16, Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, I must say at this point in time, that this particular story that we are reading now is very well attested in the New Testament. This is a story that's found not in just one or two or even three of the Gospels, but in all four of the Gospels. And what is even better is that usually when you have a story that appears in two or three of the Gospels, the synoptic Gospels, they tend to be almost copied from one another. Because, you know, maybe Mark and uh, maybe uh, Luke and Matthew might have read Mark and they just pretty much copied that. But in this particular case... In all the different accounts, there's a little bit different detail which might suggest that each one was writing from their own memory of it. And because of that, we have very interesting additional information that help us build a kaleidoscope that you can see almost enter into this situation. So we're going to look at several of the other Gospels and not just Matthew. John, in the Gospel of John, we have an additional detail where Jesus actually addresses one of the disciples by the name of Philip, right? So in that situation in John chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus lifted up his eyes, presumably in the morning, and sees this great multitude. They are all coming, converging. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Okay, so you just think, oh, sorry, not in the morning, this is in the evening. So he's saying, Oh, look at all these people, they keep coming and they are tired. And he turns to Philip. Philip, probably among the disciples. Maybe Philip is the nearest one. Don't know why Jesus picked on him. Philip, where are we going to buy bread for them? Right? And you just imagine Philip, you are Philip. Huh? Coast storage or something like this, right? Where, where are you going to get? You're in a deserted place. Buy bread, Lord. What? Buy, buy bread for them. And you can just imagine all the gears in Philip's head starting to turn, Right? Jesus, you realise that there are a lot of people here, right? Imagine right now if I ask you, uh, hey, can you help buy bread for everyone in this room? Where would you go? St. <laughs> also don't have so many, right? You, you answer what I'm saying? There won't be anywhere that, this kind of thing, uh, you go on the wholesale of tao pao, okay, not Tao pao, but you know, you go to wholesale of you're talking of, Now, you read the accounts, it says 5,000 men besides women and children. So maybe 15,000, 20,000 people. Listen, it's a lot of people. Where are you? It's like not something they just walk in the shop. Uh, just like give you know, like five thousand loaves of bread. It doesn't work like this. So I can just imagine his gears is starting to turn. You know, if he was Hawking, he would say Unyabo, right? And all the disciples, they're all looking at each, each other. Their eyes open, but they're not saying anything because you know Jesus sometimes like this one. I ask them to do quite crazy things, right? They all they're not saying anything, but they are looking at each other and Are you sure or not? Let's be realistic. You can almost see the incredulity, right? That uh, in in their minds, feed 5,000 people, where are we supposed to go and find food? And even if we could find a shop, let's say 10 shops that happen to have bread, how are we going to pay for all this money? They're not just going to give it to you for free, right? Did Jesus mean that they are now going to go? Now, just think about this. Let's say they got money. Let's say they did find a shop somewhere in Capernaum. They were baking like crazy amount of bricks and somehow they, they were ready carrying that amount of bread from that village or city up on a hill to the deserted place, that would have been something that took quite a long time. So, you know, I mean, it is something that is quite, I think, it's not surprising that they, they would find it quite incredulous. All these questions, almost guaranteed, they will flash through their minds. Just, that, just as if it would flash through your minds. So Philip's answer can be found in verse 7. John chapter 6 verse 7, he said, he answered him he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So 200 denarii is about in our money today, 7,000 dollars. He's saying that Lord, 7,000 also not enough. Even if we buy uh, everyone will eat a little. And I know a little bit about this. Uh. I don't know you realise uh, we always have a lot of food in the uh, for feeding you guys uh, after the service, right? So we have a bit of experience in feeding the multitudes because you all tend to be very hungry. Uh. So, but in the years past, you know, there was one year when we were looking at how much we were spending on Kongwan biscuits. Now, Kongwan uh, is not your top of the lime biscuit. It's actually almost the bottom of the lime biscuit, right? Okay, I shouldn't say that, but because Kongwan is quite nice. But we actually spent tens of thousands dollars on Kongwan to feed you guys. I don't know if you realise how many of you are there. Everyone take one bite, two bites. Uh, it stands for $1,000. Uh. So when I look at this, I can see Philip looking at his accounts, looking at their treasuries. and Lord, I don't think... So you can see uh, all the disciples now, they're trying to help Jesus better understand the situation. Lord, please sit down. We need to explain to you the reality of our circumstances. Number one, too many people. Number two, money not enough right? Number three, time also not enough. And number four, there's no place to buy it. Jesus, I know you're the Lord, you perform miracles, but you don't understand. Sometimes we pray to God a bit like this. God asks you to do something, God, you don't understand. Okay, God says, yeah, please help me understand, right? So, it was, it was a, now, another disciple, Andrew, he had a different strategy, okay? Philip, a bit more sophisticated. Look at the facts, do calculation, do your analysis. Andrew is a simpler fuller, right? I think Andrew and Peter, ah, they are like fishermen. Ah, you know, just do lah. So, you know, just go out and do. So he went out, when Jesus says, look for food, you know what he did? He went out looking for food. I don't know what's in his mind. Where do you think you'll find food? Maybe a dig, dig, oh, I'll send food there. Whatever the case is, the guy, he just, the Lord says, go, I just go. He goes out, right? And he finds a young boy. He finds a lad. John chapter 6, verse 8 to 9. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is, this, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. No, they're big fish, small fish. Ah. Earlier service, I say whale. Someone tell me whale is not a fish. Okay, whale, not a fish. But they're big fish, you know, big salmon trout and all this. There's tilapia. This is two, you can't believe, small fish, right? Not a lot of fish. That is this boy... Lord, I found! This boy got... Can you just imagine the other disciples over there, what they do? Ah? They roll eyes. you know. What, is, Andrew? What are you thinking Like this, you see how many people... You, you understand the feeling, right? It's like, are you kidding me, Andrew? You're crazy, lah, you know. What was in your mind? And Andrew himself, also he doubts because he says, there's this uh, five loaves, five barley loaves and two small fish, but... What are they among so many? In other words, even he realised that this, this is not much. In fact, it's, it's not enough. It's woefully inadequate, right? What are they? They're nothing, in other words. They're nothing. And yet, he brought. So, all the disciples, I guess they are somewhere between crying and laughing. Don't know to, to cry or to laugh, you know, this situation. Trying to point out the obvious to Jesus who seems to be quite, you know, absentmindedly asking them to do the impossible. But Jesus seems to have a habit of doing these kind of things, right? In the next verse, Jesus says, now they said to him, we have here only, everyone say only. Only five loaves and two fish, two small fish. Only means in their eyes, this is very small. This is too small, this is not enough. In their eyes, what the little boy had to offer was woefully inadequate, woefully insufficient far less than what is needed to meet the need that was on hand to feed the thousands of people who were there. In their eyes, this offering is pointless, it's useless and it's irrelevant. But you know what? God sees things differently. God sees it differently. Because in the very next verse, Jesus says, bring them here to me. And they were thinking, Jesus, you you know right, five and two only, right? But Jesus bring to me. And they're probably wondering, what does maybe Jesus want to eat for himself? And then he commanded, Jesus commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. And everyone say, Looking up to heaven. Let's say it together. Looking up to heaven. And he blessed and he broke, and the miracle began. He gave the loaves to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the multitudes, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men besides women and children, so maybe fifteen, maybe twenty thousand don 't know how hungry they were, right so they ate a lot now they are, at this point, I really don 't need to preach anymore because this sermon had here is going to write itself, right? Because you can probably run with this and see the many lessons that we can learn from this incident itself. You see, what is often deemed as without value or insufficient value in our own human eyes became the very thing that God uses to accomplish His purpose. And God is just so like that. The cornerstone that people rejected was the one that God used, right? Little David that the Father even forgot. That was the one that God used. You know, God got this pattern on. After you walk with Him a little while, you know He likes to do certain things. And you better learn that He likes to do certain things because He's likely to do that thing in your life. So Jesus, He did not need great wealth, great supply, great resources. Two fish and five loaves was enough for Jesus. So in verse 19, Jesus, He took that little offering that everyone regarded as too small, too ordinary, and then he looked up where? He looked up to heaven. You know, to me, that's the key here. The key here, we can learn here. Because you can look many places. As humans, we tend to look, we are tempted very often to look at our own lack of abilities, right? I can't do, a lack of time, lack of resources. I'm so grateful that the choir, in spite of their busy schedule and the many things that they made the time. When right? we asked them, they said they will come. They came, they came on two nights, not just one night, two nights just to rehearse the item that they will bring later on. But sometimes we are tempted to look at how little we have, how insufficient we have. Maybe we can't even meet our own needs. Oh, yeah, don't ask me to serve. I can barely meet my own needs. My own life has needs. How can you ask me to serve and give to other people? There are many other things that we are tempted to look at. How small our offering, I can give, but it's so small, I don't feel like giving because, you know, it's, it's so plain say, you know, that kind of feeling, right? Or sometimes we look at the plain facts and the reality of our circumstances, the weight of reality. God, you don't understand. I really am very tight. This situation I cannot do, you know. I have all these problems. God, you did see the reality. Of so sometimes we look at those things, you know. We help God to appraise the situation. We look at our weaknesses or our unfamiliarity. Sometimes we say, I don't know enough to do this thing that you asked me to do. I wonder if Moses knew anything about parting the Red Sea, you know. When you go there, it's not in the leadership training manual, page twenty-four, how to part the Red Sea. You know, he's never done it before, he had no knowledge about it. Others might be tempted to look at how sizable the mountain is, how difficult the challenge, how unre- how unreasonable the task. That is set before us In a different setting, some of us may be even tempted to look at our past experiences. Oh, we, we did it before. Lord, we have, been, we have been fishing all night. We have experienced, we know there's no fish in this water. We've been here all night, not a single fish. But Lord, since you asked us to cast the net down, okay, we'll do it. You understand? This is Jesus. This is our Lord. He likes doing this. If you didn't know Him before, now I'm warning you, uh, He likes to do this kind of thing. Every time you tell you don't know, you better think twice because God knows, all right? So, we are tempted to look at our pain, our negative experiences and say, God, cannot lah. I tried before, it doesn't work. And because of this, the devil knows that the best strategy he has is to get you to look anywhere but heaven. Look anywhere but God. Look at yourself. Look at your people around you. Look at circumstances of life. Anywhere but to look to God. Because when you look to God, the miracle happens. How many times have we allowed our own limited vision to constrain what God can and wants to do for us? If it wasn't for Andrew, they wouldn't even have that little boy. You know, Jesus said he did not perform many miracles because the people didn't have the faith, right? But I think it's not just faith as in belief, but they were not willing to even try and i think that might be the reason that we often were so constrained in our own vision we think that we cannot do it therefore god cannot do it so we don't even want to try the five loaves and two fish they were only insufficient in the eyes of men in our own eyes but they are not insufficient when you do things god's way you is insufficient you will go by your own human experience your human wisdom your human understanding. But God does things in a different way. The Lord knows this is a lesson that we all need to learn. If you're going to go into a, a year and we really want to grow, want to see breakthrough, it's not enough to try and understand things. It's not enough to just know a lot of things. It's not even enough you amass yourself some resources. Actually, the most important thing is to be willing to say, God, whatever I have, this is it. And then God looks up to heaven and you look up to heaven and then something wonderful happens. Amen? Are you with me? Something exciting that God wants to do. So Jesus, he knew this. And so he wanted to teach them this lesson. John chapter 6 verse 6. But this he said, that Jesus said all these things to test them. It's not because Jesus did not know where to get the food. Because he says here, for he himself knew what he would do. Many times we don't know what the answer is, right? Say, so God, how? Therefore, impossible. No. You don't know doesn't mean God don't know. In fact, Jesus already knew beforehand. He knew exactly how the situation would play out. But he wanted to include the people. He wanted them to learn something. He wanted to involve them in this process. So he said this to test them. What was it that was being tested? I want you to think about this one. What was it that Jesus was testing? Was Jesus testing their capabilities right the ability was jesus testing their resourcefulness i think that's very important to be resourceful resourceful right or was jesus testing their resources how much money they have how, my, how many things they can bring to the table was jesus testing their gift things perhaps none of these things you know what was being tested their willingness jesus was testing their willingness and that was their faith their willingness to bring whatever impossible little that they might have and to put it in God's hands because God was going to do it. Jesus was going to do it, not them. Every time we encounter a challenge, and we will encounter challenges perhaps right now in your life, there are things that you are facing and you're thinking it's so hard, so impossible. Perhaps today is a reminder that maybe this is time to put that little into the hands of God. So every time we encounter a challenge or obedience, something too big, too hard, too difficult, too demanding, it could be an opportunity to surrender it to God's hands and to see Him answer our situation because God already knows what He wants to do. He already has the solution to our predicaments. Now in Mark chapter 8, now another gospel now, gospel of Mark, Jesus actually expands this lesson, right? And I saved this for the last because you know it sounds like Jesus was scolding them and I didn't want you to think that oh, I'm scolding you on a new year, right? So just Jesus, the words of Jesus. Jesus being aware of it, Mark chapter 8, verse 17. Aware of what? Jesus is aware of all the human rationalisation that's going on. How we are all trying to work out the situation in our own wisdom. He knew that. And he says, why do you reason? Now listen, reason is very good, right? But reason is not good when you put it above faith. You need to put trust above reason because sometimes in life, we don't understand everything. We can't understand everything. And in order to not be paralyzed, you just sometimes have to just go. Just trust the Lord and just go and then reason will follow. After a while, After you do, then you start to understand. Oh, I see. How many times in our life, after something happened, you look back, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you say, oh Lord, now I understand why you let that happen. But if you are saying that, I need to understand before I do, then you know what? You're going to be paralyzed. You're going to start in 2022. You cannot go to 2023. Although some of you probably want to do that because you want to look young, right? So, you know, I think we all need to really learn to be reasonable, but to be even more faithful than we are reasonable. So Jesus asked, Why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive or nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see? And having ears do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of fragments did you take up? Then said to him, Twelve. Also, and it seems that Jesus did this more than once. When I broke the seven for 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven, right? So he said to them, how is it that you still don't get it? Right? How is it that you still do not understand? So the Lord, I think, wants you and me to understand that actually you can trust Him. Amen? Turn to your other neighbor and say, don't know how many neighbors, just say you can trust the Lord. So the Lord knows full well. When you bring your offering to the Lord, your five loaves, your two fish, these are not perfect offerings. Sometimes in our offering to the Lord, it may contain a measure of doubt, right? It may contain a measure of imperfection. But that's, that's, that's us, you know, we are human. That's normal. Don't let your doubt prevent God from doing what God can do with your faith. Even though it's a bit mixed. Just give it to the Lord. And you know what? The Lord is kind and gracious. Even your very imperfect five loaves and two fish, He can still work a miracle out of it. See, the saddest part is some people, they didn't even want to give. Even when God was willing, they didn't even want to give. So what this boy gave ultimately was not just this two fish and five loaves. It was his willingness. He gave his heart of faith. Some even might call it a naive faith. Now, there are some people who say, but pastor, I think this one should be an exception to the rule, right? Because, you know, we all need gift things, we need all these other capabilities and leadership qualities and all these things. I think it's true that these things have a place. But it is also true that God has, a, this is God's way of doing things. And we find this when Paul addresses the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. This is what, how Paul puts it. He says, And writing to his uh, fellow Christians, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. So Jesus, uh, not Paul was talking to his friends. You know, you guys, are not many of you are very smart. uh. (laughs) So I guess they'll be a little bit insulted, right? Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. So what we offer may not be perfect. It does not have to be perfect. It has to be offered. It can be small, simple, fraught with all kinds of challenges. As we move into 2023, you know, we... We want to bring our offering, however small it is, to the Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask the choir to just come up and I really want to thank them because they, they have practiced this really lovely song that I think captures the spirit of this, uh, this lesson. And I want you to start thinking, what are the things that God is challenging you about? When God is asking you, right, what are your two fish and five loaves? Now it can be so small as attending church, right? It can be so small as encouraging one another. Whatever small thing it is, the devil is tempting you to say it's too small, it's too insignificant. It will not make a difference. But you read this carefully, you understand it It will make a difference if you are willing. Your willingness is what makes the difference. Amen? Amen. Now, even as they are coming up, taking their place, you know, we are moving into a new year, a new season. Next week, uh, Pastor Chris will talk to you, I guess, about Kurs 2.0. But Uh, This is also my last service with you all for about six months. For the next six months, I'm going to be pastoring another church for a little while. But I will be back here, don't panic, right? I will be back here. I've been here for a long time already, 12 years already I've been here, right? So um, I think I have some work to do because, you know, the church needs a little bit of help for a little while. But uh, for sure I'll be back. But during this season, you guys are not going to kick back, Right? Because this is when we need to rise up. A whole new generation needs to rise up. But every one of us will rise up by doing our little part. Not just depending on one or two. Of course, we have uh, our very uh, capable Reverend Chris Ho who likes to climb mountains. Uh. climb Not mountains, uh, climb at least climb rock walls. Uh. But I think that's a good way to climb mountains as well. And of course, we've got a very strong team. And of course, all of you here are making all that difference. But most important of all, I think God is doing His thing in our midst. Amen. Amen. So we have this lovely song uh, that uh, they want to sing for us, and I ask them to sing for us. As they sing the song, listen to the words, hear the words, and ask yourself, what is God challenging you to give? What is the difference God is asking you to make? Because, you know, frankly, time passes so fast. Sometimes the opportunity to make a difference is gone before you know it, right? And I'm, I'm very mindful of that. So choir, would you take us to that song? For this church uh, We have this uh, thing FMI. Uh, Why You all remember still or not? F four, Fun at all times, right? A Affirm always Okay? Affirm somebody around you always M Making time to connect, right? So make sure you come to church uh, Making time I Ignore offenses This one we all must revise all the time Because uh, We all easily triggered lah. L. Listen to understand this. Is what my wife reminds me often ah. must listen to understand and why you are not alone, amen, amen. This is really our family. Let's thank God for the way that, uh, yeah, you always remember this, right? Let's thank God for the way that He has watched over us, you know. Lord, we thank you for feeding us with the body and the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through Him, we offer you our souls and bodies our two fish and five loaves Lord to be a living sacrifice send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory and now Lord as we go from this place may we go with the power of the Holy Spirit may we go with joy with hope and with faith and willingness and Lord we pray that this will be a year of breakthrough for every one of us for our families whatever our struggles whatever our mountains may be and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with all of you now and always. Amen, amen, amen. Service is so, so, so well. God bless you. I will see you soon. But please make sure I watch uh, the online to see whether you're here or not, right? Okay, God bless you. Thank you, choir.